The Mountaintop Podcast show notes can be found at www.mountaintoppodcast.com, where you can also subscribe to the newsletter and get a 25-minute call with me for free. Also, you're invited to join the Mountaintop Summit Facebook group. Look forward to seeing you there. Live from the mist-enshrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters, you're listening to the world-famous Mountaintop Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. Here we are again, locked and loaded for another fast action episode of the world-famous Mountaintop Podcast. Today, we're going to have a very interesting topic and a much more interesting guest. Returning with me today is matchmaker from New York City, Rachel Russo, and we're going to talk about how to know when you've met the right woman, how to know when you've met your match. How's it going, Russo? Welcome back. It is going well. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah. Yeah. You were a pleasure to have on before and the guys loved you. And uh, when we have a woman's perspective on this show, it tends to get a lot more downloads than any other show we have. Yours is a very popular one. Last time you were on and uh, you come from New York, although now you're in Jersey. You're in Jersey. I'm so glad to hear that. And yeah. Yes, I, I returned to my roots after over a decade in New York City. I'm back in North Jersey. And you have neither <laughs> accent. I don't. I, you know, I feel fortunate. No offense to those in New York and New Jersey, but I've lived <laughs> in Brooklyn. I've lived in Queens. I've lived in Manhattan. I'm happy I didn't pick anything up because I don't know. It seems more intriguing. Right, right. Well, you know what? Now you can be a media princess. You can be on the news and no one will ever know where you're coming from. I'm open to that. That sounds good. Yeah, right on. Okay, so down to business today. Let's get completely dead serious on this show. No humor allowed, right? Okay, I'll try my best. <laughs> I'm lying through my teeth. <laughs> See, you're already laughing. That's not fair. You already broke the rule. All right, oh boy. So here's the deal. You are a matchmaker, and we have never done a show for these guys on how to know when they've met the right woman. I think the best place to start would be perhaps know when you've met the wrong woman, Rachel, because a lot of these guys nowadays are thinking, okay, well, let's put it this way. They've got preconceived notions. They're coming to the table saying things like, okay, all women are crazy. All women are selfish. All women are gold diggers. If I ever want to stop being lonely and watching porn all day, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it. Okay. So you know better than that, right? I mean, what are some of the misconceptions that men in particular tend to have about what they're going to be, I guess, forced to expect from a woman when they meet her that is maybe completely washed up and wrong? Hmm. Well, the first one that comes to mind is very obvious to me, and that is you're not with the right woman if you are not attracted to her physically. Boom. And I think that a lot of guys would get on board with this. I've, I've worked a lot with men for years, men that are very picky and selective and, you know, want someone to look a certain way. And I totally get it. And I think for women, sometimes the physical appearance <laughs> can grow on them uh, because women may be more into personality or how they're treated. Not to say that men don't care about those things, but I find that men really want to have that spark. They want to be able to feel like I'm going to be sexually attracted to her. I want that romance. So you have to think she's hot or cute, at least. I mean, you can't be unattracted and think it's going to grow. I think men need to feel that within the first couple dates. Well, hold on. Cute is attractive and hot to me. I mean, I'm like a cute woman guy. 
I've always thought that. And anybody who's ever seen my wife can tell, you know, she's the queen of cute. Yeah. So, I mean, it's up to interpretation, but I think there might be differences between cute and hot. Whatever you prefer, that's what you should go for. If you want the girl that looks like the hot, sexy, smoking supermodel, go for that. If you want the cute girl next door, go for that. Like, know what you like. And you could have two different types physically. That's fine. That's great. More options. Uh, But you have to feel something good positive about a woman's appearance. Otherwise, it's a dead-end relationship. Well, listen, Rachel, there's no doubt you just made a lot of friends on this particular episode (laughs) because a lot of guys are out there thinking, okay, my last five girlfriends in a row, you know, they haven't really been the woman I would have chose. I wasn't really feeling it for her, but hey, you know, quote unquote, I was getting laid. (laughs) If I haven't heard that, if I had 10 bucks for every time I've ever heard that one, okay? And meanwhile... The woman sensed this. The woman knew this, but she was laying on the guilt trip like, hey, you're supposed to care what's on the inside instead of what's on the outside. You're just being superficial. Meanwhile, okay, let's say this guy marries the woman, okay, and he's not physically attracted to her. Every time he goes elsewhere, he's going to be looking at the other women thinking, oh, man, I wish I had a girlfriend as pretty as that guy has. What? How did he get a woman that hot and I didn't? And meanwhile, the woman's going to, as I've always said, whack him over the head with a rolling pin. She's going to say looks don't matter. And then once they're married, the truth of the matter is she's going to want to have been the most beautiful woman he's ever met. She wants to be that person for him, but she settled for him because he settled for her. And I think that's completely wrongheaded. And the truth of the matter is, and you alluded to this plainly, Mm -hmm. is not everybody has the same type. My idea of a completely beautiful, sexually attractive woman may be completely different. Matter of fact, I have a best friend for whom it really is completely different. He likes completely different women than I do. And we used to go on double dates together, and it was kind of a matter of contention. Every time the women would go to the bathroom together, we would, you know, crack on each other about (laughs) our taste in women. And and, both of the women would be perfectly beautiful, attractive women. It's just a matter of what perspective you were coming from. So in a situation where the woman is browbeating the guy because he's being all shallow or whatever, because he's trying to get with a woman who's attractive and she knows she's not it, what she's doing is she's depriving herself of being with a guy who thinks she's a lot more beautiful and sexy than her current boyfriend does. It's a poverty mentality, isn't it? It totally is. And I agree with you completely. This sounds like a recipe for disaster in a relationship. And I really believe that, okay, chemistry is very important to sustain a long term relationship or marriage. It is not everything. I am not saying that, but I am saying it can be part of a glue that can hold a couple together during like really tough times. And, you know, whatever, a sex drive can wax and wane in life, if you will, but you have to at least have like that spark and that feeling for your partner. So, My message to guys is, is that they do need to figure out what does it for them physically and go for that. And I've met a lot of men who've come out of relationships, kind of like the ones that you're saying, Scott. And it was like, oh, this woman is so caring. She loves me. She's sweet. She's smart. She'd be great with kids, but I don't feel the spark. And I broke up with her because I was trying to make myself feel it. And after months and years, it didn't work. So I'm saying, don't go for that. Don't think that it's going to change years down the line. It's a waste of both your time. It's not fair to the woman. It's not fair to you. Somewhere listening to this show is a guy named Wayne, and he should use the phrase wax and wane in relation to sex drive the way you just did, especially like in a stand-up routine. Yes. Yes, you did. You did that. Glad I'm giving Wayne some content. 
Yes, that's a truth. That just happened. All right. So you drop the C word. You drop the word chemistry. Not that C word. Sorry, chemistry. guys. Yeah, we don't drop that word on this show, by the way. The other C word. Chemistry. What the hell is chemistry, Rachel? Because it's like bandied about like some term we all get and nobody understands what the hell it is. So – Okay, I have been trying to figure what chemistry. Figure oh, out a lot what of help you is. are. <laughs> like, wait, let me tell you this. Okay, so I've been a matchmaker full time for 14 years. This is okay. all I do. It's been my whole adult career. And the most common feedback that I get from clients, male and female, after a first date when they don't want to go on a second is this. I didn't feel chemistry. So what I try to do is break it down and I ask people, why didn't you feel chemistry? Was there something that he did that turned you off? Was it his appearance? Was it the energy? I ask all these questions to women because I don't think it's fair that a man is hiring a matchmaker and she's just going to go back with the feedback and say, oh, she didn't feel chemistry. So I try to break this down. And what I've come up with is that (laughs) it has nothing to do with looks. Like, yes, looks do help, but a woman can find you totally attractive or objectively good looking enough and still not feel chemistry. It is much more about the way that she feels in your presence. And there are ways I think that you can create it a little bit. But on the other hand, there's some things that have to be there or not there. It's just like that rapport that you have with someone. Um, sometimes it sparks a flirtation. Sometimes it feels platonic. I don't know why, but I think it has a lot to do with our individual psychologies, like not to get off Freudian, but our, our parents, our relationship history, the girl that you looked at in third grade. <laughs> I mean, it goes way back. So I can't explain it, but, but that's my definition of it so far. Man, that's another thing I wish I had 10 bucks for every time it happened. Every time I've ever met a good-looking dude who can't get second dates. I mean, it's There's just, something wrong there. Well, no, I mean, a lot of guys think, <laughs> you know, women are wired like men, that they only look at men's looks. And if you're not as good-looking as like a movie star, then you're never going to get any women. And hell, I'm living proof. I'm no movie star. I mean, maybe Sean Astin huh. or Michael J. Fox, but, you know, not like Sean Connery or Zac Efron or something. You know, you're talking about something here that I think is fascinating, and that's people come back to you as a matchmaker after you've set them up on dates, and they say there was no chemistry. I have a quick question, yes or no, before I continue. Okay. Do people ever come to you and say there was chemistry, and that's why it was great? Do they use chemistry when it went well? Um, Actually, they really only say it when they don't feel it. That's what's funny. Exactly. When they do feel it, they'll... They'll have positive feedback and they'll say what they liked about the person and tell me what happened and they want to see him again, but they don't use that word. Right. I think it's just a euphemism for this date sucked and I don't like him. He smelled funny and he had bad teeth. That's what I think. <laughs> you, know what it, you know what it is sometimes? It's the, I think chemistry is something that creates excitement. And a lot of people are doing a lot of serial dating these days, as you know, and I know very well. And they're going on a lot of dates where they're having the same small talk and nothing is engaging them. So I think when someone comes back and says, I didn't feel chemistry with him, it means she was bored. I mean, he did not relate to her on an emotional level. Like there was no connection. There was nothing compelling. So I agree with you. The date probably sucked. No masculinity or femininity sparking each other. He was either lacking masculinity as women define it or vice versa, which happens a lot nowadays, probably particularly more in your neck of the woods. So I understand. 
Mm-hmm. How so? I have ideas about this, but <laughs> well, I think a lot of women are really in their masculine in New York. They go on dates and they basically take over, and they're browbeating the guy, and they've got you know big plans and lots of ambition, and you know they wear a nice dress and they look cute, but they're really going on dates acting like men. And men are thinking like, well, you know, I want a woman, I want someone who's feminine. And in that fast-paced culture where everybody's like, you know, bigger, faster, more. Uh, the women really feel like they've got to make it there if they're going to ever make it anywhere, like is said in the famous Frank Sinatra song. And mm-hmm. I just – the bottom line is I hear more from guys in New York City that the women there are really hard drivers and that they're high horsepower, particularly hard to get along with women and hard to find where the femininity is under there. And that's unfortunate because to me, femininity is the higher calling. Everything femininity brings to the table is what we all live for on weekends. But I hear that a lot from men in New York City. Maybe the guys I talk to just can't live up to it. But a lot of these guys are also captains of industry themselves and have great jobs and are very well educated. And I hear that more so in New York than anywhere else. I I believe that I've had similar experience from my male clients as well, complaining about that women are too alpha and they take charge and they interview them on dates and this and that. And, you know, the women that I work with that I set up on these dates, I, I do give them guidelines because I think as a woman in New York and I've lived that life as well. I mean, it's very stressful. You have to be very tough to get ahead in your career And you have to remember that you don't bring those same skills that give you the financial or career success into your relationship. You have to separate it. So there's a real need to find balance and lead with the feminine in relationships for women. And having a guy who is masculine, who can take charge, really can bring that out more. So it it is a New York problem. (laughs) It's other big cities as well, I'm sure. But perhaps New York is the worst. I do hear it in all fairness about London also. I could see that. I know a lot of matchmakers in London that I work with, and it's it's pretty much the same there. Yeah. Well, unfortunately for women who feel they have to present like that, most guys who could go toe-to-toe with them don't want to. That's not yeah. the kind of life they want to live with that kind of woman. Um, very interesting. But anyway, back to the topic. You talked about chemistry, and I've been thinking about this kind of in the back of my mind while we've been covering these other subjects. Mm-hmm. And chemistry is something that happens even between a comedy duo or between the cast members of a TV show. It isn't necessarily a boy-girl thing. And I like what you said about the spark and the energy. There was something exciting going on there. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that's why a lot of dating coaches, a lot of matchmakers will say, hey, you know what? Don't trust the chemistry. It may be fleeting. It may be only on the surface. But I think it goes back to what's problematic about the term chemistry to begin with is nobody really can define it. It's like when we say someone's high maintenance, what do we mean? You know, do they take too long to get ready? Are they too interested in money? Do they think about other things too much? I mean, nobody can really define it. It can mean several things. I like to think about chemistry as getting each other. I just inherently feel that you're one of me. I can see inside your mind. It seems like you think like me. We're already completing each other's thoughts. When I bring up a subject, you can continue the conversation and we can just play ping pong back and forth with a conversation like that. Uh, the telling statement would be after you're about halfway through the date, man, we've known each other for 25 minutes and it feels like we've known each other for 10 years. See, I think that's the valid kind of chemistry, not just, Hey, I think this person's really hot and I'd like to go get it on with them. But 
I have a connection here. Something is happening where I feel like I've met one of me. She's on my team. He's on my team. And I just feel like there's an inherent trust and an inherent relaxation. Now, see, that relaxing yeah, into each other. I like that. That's- yeah, but mm-hmm. see, that relaxing into each other kind of feels counter to the term energy or excitement. But I think it's okay. I think it's completely compatible. It's almost like you've entered into this exciting adventure with each other because you feel comfortable and really compatible immediately. Now, I mean, looks can be deceiving, but I don't think I've ever, you know, you can weigh in on this, but I've never been out with anyone who I felt that kind of chemistry with immediately where the wheels fell off on the second date or anything. I mean, it was there. Right. So, well, it's interesting when you were talking, I kept thinking of the word comfort, comfort. That's what you're describing, like that comfort. And I find that very appealing if you can feel that early on, because if you think about it, I mean, most of the guys that I work with actually really don't even like dating that much. They'd rather be in a relationship. (laughs) And I'm sure some that are listening can feel the same. Like it's annoying after a while. Like, sure, it's nice to have variety and go on different dates and maybe hook up with different women and all that. But like, if you really are relationship oriented and you want to settle down, there's a point where you don't want to do that. You just want to find a woman who gets to you that you feel comfortable with. And I think a lot of guys may have the temptation to go back to a woman from the past, whether it's an ex-girlfriend or even someone they dated a few times that they still think of because they had that we can call it chemistry or we can call it comfort. But it's that familiar dynamic that, you know, even if you send a text message to her after a month randomly, you're going to have that back and forth rapport, that flirtation, and you're going to pick up where you left off. I think that's what people want. Um, so the chemistry is like the excitement and also the feeling of familiarity and comfort. I think it's everything. It's, it's like both. But we have to talk about like compatibility in a bit too, because that's the other C word. And um, that's essential for the good match. It's not just the chemistry. Yeah. Sex spelled with a C would be the other C word, I think. (laughs) Yeah. How would you spell sex with a C? I guess it would just be C-E-X. C-E-X. Sex, like cement, only sex. Where did we go with it? Where's this conversation going? The important part here is you brought up a couple spectacular points. The first one being Mm -hmm. it is an absolute stereotype that men only want to get laid and women only want to get in a relationship. I know women who are like horny sailors on leave trying to get laid. Mm -hmm. And most of the guys who come to me, which means probably a good percentage of the guys listening to this show, are exactly as you described. They just want a woman who gets them, who's cute and sweet and honorable and won't embarrass them in public. But- Yeah, man. Guys, you know what? We're creatures of habit. We get our setup the way we like it, and it stays that way. I remember when I was a kid, my Uncle Bob was a Corvette guy, and he was a a beer guy, and he was a tool guy, and he liked to fix stuff. And it amazed me how his basement and his garage and all his belongings never changed throughout my entire childhood. He always had the same watch on. He always had the same brand of beer in his hand. It was Schlitz, by the way. (laughs) He bought a Corvette in 1972. He bought a 69 427 Corvette with a four-speed transmission, Stingray. It is still, I mean, unfortunately, my Uncle Bob's passed on, but it is still in my cousin's hands. (laughs) It still looks exactly the way it did in 1972. And I was thinking, man, this guy never changes anything. It's really weird. And then I realized as I've gone on in life that I'm a lot like him. (laughs) 
you know, I bought a pickup truck in 2009. I still drive. And I used to get car fever when I was younger and flip my cars. I just love my pickup truck. It's special to me, right? Obviously, I That's love my great. wife. You know, I, I don't <laughs> want to trade her in on another woman. She's the greatest woman I've ever met. My office, uh-huh. though, the accoutrements of my office, I love the way my office is set up, and I don't really want to change it. Now, I travel, and I try new adventures, and we eat new food, and it's not really being so set in our ways the way my Uncle Bob was in just about every way. Great guy, by the way. Just such a great dude. And yet, I think a lot of guys really run counter to this stereotype of wanting to have a different chick in their bed every night. What I tell guys is, look, this whole idea of taking a different woman home from a bar every night, I mean, if she's that hot and she's that sexy and she was worth it, I mean, do you really just want to test drive? I mean, don't you want some more? I mean, don't you want to see her again? Yeah, of course. Right. I mean, what are you going to do? Just masturbate thinking about her for the rest of your life because you only had one shot? I mean, you know, that's no good. That's (laughs) not what most men want. So I agree with you. A lot of guys, you know, dating four or five women at once and having them all adore you and choosing which one you want to have over today, that, that sounds great. It is great for a while. But what happened with me is finally I met Emily and I didn't want to see the other women anymore. This was my ride or die chick. I mean, she's the woman who validated me. She's the woman who made me feel comfortable around her. She's the one I can inherently trust. She adores me and I can feel it. I adore her and she knows it. I mean, my wife feels safe and comfortable because she knows I chose her. I mean, it's funny. We laughed early on about my celebrity crushes because if you mash them all into a little ball, you get my wife. (laughs) She's like Mm -hmm. the fulfillment of it all. And that mutual comfort, the fact that we think alike on how to raise children, how to deal with finances, politics, uh, faith, all of those things she and I are in lockstep on. And I think that all contributed to that chemistry early on because we just felt this was someone who's one of me. She's like the female version of me in there. You know, not on the outside, maybe. We look kind of different. And this is perfect, Scott. This is exactly what I would want to say on this topic, that I feel people have to have the same kind of vision for the future and really like complement each other because that's compatibility. So, you know, if you want kids, then... The woman should want to have kids. If you want to travel the world, as I know you and Emily do, then she should want to travel the world. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, then maybe you need someone who thinks in that way instead of the corporate nine to five work is done and that's it. (laughs) Um, So you really have to be on the same page there because I think we all do kind of want someone who's similar to ourselves in many ways to be truly matched. I think you have to want those same things out of life and that will make your bond stronger. Well, sometimes they say opposites attract. And what we're talking about here is having a lot in common. Mm -hmm. I would also say that there are certain things I'm glad my wife knows how to do or some of the ways she is are kind of different than me, but they're in a complimentary way. I think it's probably confusing for a lot of people to figure out, wait a minute, when is it a good idea for us to be on the same page? And when is it a good idea for us to be different? I mean, where should we be opposite? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that you have to know your core values. And this is something that I need someone to know before I even take them on as a matchmaking client. 
because what is most important to them? If we don't know that, then we're just kind of like shooting and (laughs) going to have like no success because we don't even know what the target is at that point. You have to understand what is most important to you in life? Like, what are your core values? And if it is something like religion, that's super important, then you have to find someone who who feels the same way or respects your beliefs. And what is it that it's, it's not just that, though, it's like, what is your passion in life? Like, one thing that I think really makes for a good match for a guy is like a woman who actually wants who makes him want to be a better person. It sounds cliche, but I think when a guy has met his match, his true match, he knows like that he'll do all those things that guys are supposed to do. I believe men, men get criticized. Like they don't know how to date. They don't know how to make a woman happy and they make all these silly mistakes and they don't change. But I think most men have that like inner kind of knowing of what they will do when they meet the right woman who makes them want to be that best version of themselves. And then they'll step up and they'll get rid of their bad habits and they'll want to earn more money and they'll want to be kinder and they'll want to like get abs (laughs) and work out more, you know, whatever it is, they're going to want to live their best life. They're going to want to share that because they found someone who gives them that reason to do all this stuff. Well, we also know couples who have bad habits together too. Oh, yeah. And they enable each other to have them, right? Right, exactly. Getting to the idea of maybe some of the opposite things that work, I can give some direct examples because I think this is something people really do struggle with. So I want to make sure we give it some attention. Sure. I am the talker and the writer and the poet and the public speaker in this family. Uh Not many people know this. I'm not throwing her under the bus because she would readily talk about it. But my wife's dyslexic, so she's not a huge writer. It's not her favorite thing in the world to do. But my wife does our taxes. She can run numbers. When we get on 14-hour plane flights overseas, she'll do Sudoku puzzles on the plane. I would rather oh, watch wow. paint dry, okay? Yeah. But she loves numbers, and she's the left-brainer. And it's kind of funny because it doesn't sound very macho, but when appliances break or things mechanical happen around the house, my wife sort of jumps on it and does it. It's not that I can't do it. It's just, man, she freaking loves it. So as a man you know, I'm happy to let her do it because she loves the challenge and she loves the fun of it. I mean, there's certain things like the automotive stuff and the bicycle things that I love to take care of myself. So of course she doesn't try to hijack that from me. Right. But it's just interesting. That's how her mind works and her mind works differently than mine does. And I think that's where the complimentary differences come in. It's like, I have this talent that you might not have, or I'm able to do these things that you don't want to do and love doing them. And when couples have those kind of differences, I think they're very complimentary. But in matters of cornerstone belief, you know, like what the hell do we believe about certain very important things in life? Like, are we going to eat meat or not? Are we going to go to church on Sunday or not? One example, I think that's kind of smaller scale, not necessarily a core belief, but just a way someone is, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, was I dated a woman once who was deathly afraid to get on an airplane. She just was afraid of flying. She was a wonderful woman in so many ways, but I have this wanderlust. I want to go all over the world. I want to knock items off my bucket list that are in other countries. And Emily, as it turns out, was my huckleberry. So she's much more suited to be a match for me than the other woman was long haul. Also, Emily doesn't need to just lay around on a beach. She wants to more than I do. So we've done that more times than I would probably care to. But she'll also 
go on safaris and go hike national parks and do these more adventurous kind of things the way I do. One of the things I think is a, a really good hallmark to knowing when you've met a woman who is your match revolves around the often talked about idea of having common interests. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think about this completely wrong. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. But people are thinking like, oh, my gosh, this person went to the same college I did or this person likes the same restaurant I do where we both drink red instead of white. And they think, OK, that makes us a match. But it's completely irrelevant until you're attracted to each other. If someone went to the yeah. same college, they like the same stuff you do, but you're not attracted to them in the least. There's no chemistry like we talked about. You couldn't care less. It's just pure coincidence. But all of a sudden, when you do have that chemistry with someone and you're starting to adore each other, every little commonality you have is conflated to mean, oh, my God, God basically made us for each other. <laughs> you know, It's all about perspective. But I think it's wonderful when people who really do get each other at their core bring to a relationship different sets of things they're interested in and then end up introducing them to each other. Because if she is so much like I am, for example, then the stuff she likes, if I'm just willing to have an open mind and give it a try, guess what? I'm probably going to like it too and vice versa. And Emily and I have seen that cumulative effect of sharing common interests with each other really be a wonderful part in our own marriage. And that really has been a wonderful surprise, perhaps unexpected. I'm wondering if you've encountered that kind of dynamic in your work. I have so many thoughts about this. Yeah. Go for um, it. Yeah. I'd give a disclaimer. First of all, um, I think it is wonderful to share common interests, but what I would say from my matchmakers perspective, nine times out of 10, um, it doesn't matter as no, much as people think it does. Like you're saying, well, like it doesn't matter as an indicator of compatibility. Right. That's, that's what I think. It's very, and it's, yes, I agree with you on that. And I would go as far to say that I see too many people put way too much emphasis on this. Yes. Like I have male clients that go skiing all the time and they need to have someone that skis. And okay, if it's that big of your part of your life, fine. If you're going to be taking like ski trips every weekend, I get it. But if there's other interests and the person is willing to, you know, your your partner, the female is willing to engage in them sometimes, um, that would be okay. Or even if she doesn't engage in them at all, but she gives you the freedom to go and do it with your friends. Like, why does it matter if you, you know, you can do it with someone else, you can get those needs met. I have, um, for instance, clients that say things like, like women, I always tell them this is stupid. (laughs) Excuse me for sounding judgmental, but they'll say, Oh, I want a guy to, to go to museums with me. And I'm like, how many times have you been to a museum this year? What is it that you really want in a man? You know, do you want a provider? Do you want someone who's going to stimulate you physically, emotionally, all this stuff, go to a museum with your friend, who cares? You know, that's what I say. I really don't think that matters. From my perspective, one of the most important things that we haven't touched on yet is the style of how they are in a relationship. What I think really matters is the way that people interact in a relationship, like even in terms of communication, like 
how frequently they want to say talk on the phone. Maybe they wa- would rather be in person. Maybe they don't want a million text messages every day. And you know, the guy is at work and he's getting frustrated that a woman may seem overly needy if she's texting him every hour. Another guy might love that. Maybe he has the type of job where he can text all day at work. So I think you have to be matched in that regard. And if there's not an exact match, and a lot of times there are differences, you have to be able to communicate another C word (laughs) um, to work them through so that the other person kind of feels that their needs are still being met and that it doesn't snowball and become like this huge problem. Like you, you have to really be able to resolve conflict. I'm sure you would agree with that, Scott, after being married for so long. Like to me, that stuff matters so much more than, okay, is she going to want to watch a football game and go skiing with me? Like, I just really encourage people to think outside the box there and think about what's really important for, for long-term relationship and family. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you completely and without any reserve whatsoever. The whole idea of a guy saying, I need someone who's a skier, you know, introduce her to skiing. If you two get each other and you're you're on the same team, I think she'll probably like skiing. You know, you're talking about... Or at least be willing to try it, right? Because if she loves you, she's uh, most women are willing to at least try it. Right. You know, I'm reminded of a... This is a true story, by the way. I'm reminded of an online dating profile from back in the day when I was dating. And it was one of these women who had 10 pictures of herself and every facial expression is the same. Like, "Mm, (laughs) yeah, hmm, right? Like the uh, uh, Michaela Maroney is not impressed look. She had it on every one of her pictures like, hmm, whatever. Like it's a little boring. Yeah. I mean, I don't trust any woman who has the same facial expression in every one of her pictures online, first of all. But the key line in her profile was, if Coldplay isn't your favorite band, don't bother. And all I could think so of myself silly. was nobody's bothering. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, bothers. exactly. Yeah. No one's bothering. And I question how much she really wants a relationship if that's her priority. Exactly. I mean, that's absolutely insane. You know, I'm going to judge the quality of the guy I'm dating based on whether he likes Coldplay or not. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think it's really cool when women are tomboys and they love ACDC as much as I do. But, you know, it's not necessary. I mean, I mean, my wife, every time she borrows my truck, switches it to the girl station, you know, the Taylor Swift station. Sure. And I mean, it's annoying, but it's what women do. I mean, that's what makes women women. So, yeah, wonderful stuff you're talking about. I think when people get each other. Things like communication and trust are a lot easier to throw a blanket over, frankly. When people don't trust each other, when people don't understand each other, that's when they can't communicate. Yeah, That's when I start getting phone calls like, hey, you know what? I asked my wife of six years this thing the other night, and she responded with this. Scott, you know, that really scared me. What does she mean? And I'll say, and I've said this time and again on the show because it's just such a poignant example. I'll say, why don't you go ask her? She knows better than me. And the guy will go, oh, there's just no way. I mean, I'd be in the doghouse. I mean, it's like, these people don't get each other. There was no connection. There was probably sexual chemistry. And listen, if you marry someone, if you get into a long-term relationship based just on the sex, it's going to wear out. Of course. Uh, There has to be respect. That's the other thing. We didn't use that word. And that starts with self-respect. Self-respect. Men want loyalty and men want respect. And if you just have good sex with someone and that's it, and you don't have those other two ingredients, it's not enough to sustain. There's one thing to close this conversation that I think deserves to be brought up. 
And that's when people aren't ready to be one half of a great relationship. I don't think they can expect to successfully find someone who's a significant other for the long haul. If you don't have that self-respect, if you're not really trustworthy, if you're not a person of character, if you really are just looking to find someone to do your bidding and meet your needs and you plan on being completely selfish, don't plan on meeting the person who you're going to be happy with for the long term because it's an inherent impossibility when people don't mean well and they're not optimistic and generous to each other. Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen if you're not in the right place to be in a relationship, you're going to attract the wrong match and you're going to sabotage things or she's going to sabotage things. I believe no one needs to be perfect. Like there's always going to be opportunity to earn more money or have a better job. Or like we're talking about weight before, like you don't have to be an ideal weight to go out there and start dating. The time is now, unless you're really in a bad, bad place and your your life is a disaster. Then I'd say work on that first so you can respect yourself and then women can respect you and you'll attract a much healthier partner. Yeah. I mean, you got to be easygoing to some degree. You've got to A, be over yourself, as they say. And B, you got to stop being so easily offended over stuff or else you'll never have a happy marriage. Guys, if you're dating a woman who gets offended incredibly easy over stuff, she's not the one, I promise. And she won't be the one for anybody happily until that gets figured out. And guys, if you get offended easily, if you're all uptight about everything, if you're expecting the worst out of every woman you meet, you know, the opposite of being optimistic, it's not going to work. If you're trying to take instead of give, you're missing out is what you're doing. And maybe you can find someone with low self-esteem who's a people pleaser, an approval seeker who's trying to do everything they can for you. And then you end up with, you know, Archie and Edith Bunker, and that's not happy either. You know, Mm -hmm. what you've been talking about is spot on. And I think we've covered this immensely well. Great conversation. I want to give these guys. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Love having you on (laughs) again. Another great show. I want to give these guys a chance to understand what you do and why they should talk to you if they're having a hard time finding exactly the kind of woman they want because you are a matchmaker who specializes in putting very smart, successful, high-character people together, and you're working in the New York City area. So I'm going to send these guys to www.mountaintoppodcast.com front slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L. And uh, what are guys going to find when they get there, Rachel? Well, there's a lot of resources and things that I've done in terms of books and blogs and all that. So they can get a better sense of who I am and my own personal brands. But I think if anyone listened and they feel like uh, something I said resonates or they can relate or they just got a good vibe from me, chances are it might be worth a conversation about if I'm possibly the one to help them find the one, help them find the woman that's right for them. It's a very personalized business. So I really get to know each client and determine if he is in the right place to find that relationship. And then I take a look at my my resources and my database and all of my network that I use for recruiting women in the, the New York City area and beyond and come up with a plan and see if I could understand what he wants and be able to put him in a better place for finding that by working with me. And, you know, am I able to make introductions to the type of woman that he wants? And, you know, we need to come to an agreement. Is, is his criteria realistic to begin with? Of course, I want to have success. And I, I'm happy to say I have a lot of marriages and relationships under my belt. And even more so than that, I have people that were happy with the experience. And, um, you know, I don't want to take on every client. So I do want to take on someone who is 
ready, who's really, really ready. So if you're really listening to this and you're ready to find your match, then we should talk. Man, my one marriage has had a significant impact on what's under my belt. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Yeah, it's because my wife knows how to cook. (laughs) Not necessarily a good thing. All right. Uh So dating coaches and matchmakers have a very symbiotic relationship. And these guys can already sense that you and I get along wonderfully. So yeah, guys, go to www.mountaintoppodcast.com front slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, and uh, see what she's got in terms of helping you find the exact right woman for you. Thank you, Rachel. This has been a great conversation, like I said. And uh, thank you so much for being a return guest. Thanks again, Scott. Anytime. I'm happy to be on this. You betcha. And guys, as always, you can go to mountaintoppodcast.com and uh, find out more about this show. Get the show notes and see a nice uh, picture of Rachel Russo smiling at you and get links to her website. And also, you can sign up for my newsletter where you'll get actionable advice every day on how to be the kind of man who gets high-quality women consistently. And you can also click that button on the website that allows you to talk to me for 25 minutes for free. We can talk about your lifestyle. We can talk about being an entrepreneur. We can talk about getting more adventure in your life. And we can most certainly talk about your relationships with women, whether you're currently in a relationship with a woman or just looking to get better with women in general. And all that's there for you at mountaintoppodcast.com. So until I talk to you again next time, this is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas. Be good out there. The Mountaintop Podcast is produced by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to visit www.mountaintoppodcast.com for show notes. And while you're there, sign up for the free X and Y Communications newsletter for men. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for The Mountaintop Podcast.